We are once again gathered here to bask in the golden light of mustachioed greatness. Today we honor the great Chuck Norris. Most young people's knowledge of Chuck Norris is just based on the tons of memes about his legendary status. But before all that, we just had Chuck the action movie star. And then after that, we had Chuck the exercise equipment guy. But with a career spanning pretty much half a century, he is very well known in all six all different areas of life. Norris was a go-to actor for Canon Films in the 80s, with Canon signing him to, mul to a multiple film deal during that time. I'm just guessing, but I'm sure we'll get our share of Canon movies on this podcast. He has a masterful skill level in martial arts and even created his own style of fighting. That I, I can't remember the name of, but you can look it up. If Leo Fung's acting style is that of a doorknob... I'd say Chuck Norris's acting is that of an actual door. It does just enough to let you in so you can enjoy the greatness. I haven't seen all of Chuck's movies, but in the films I've seen, I like to say that uh, he usually comes across kind of wholesome. Like even when he's being a badass, he still seems somewhat, like for some reason, he seems wholesome. It sort of annoys me, but then he gives some wooden delivery to a line and I love him again. So today we are talking about one of Chuck's greatest films ever. I'm just kidding. We are talking about 1982's Forced Vengeance. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna only pick movies where I can say the title and say it in that voice. Forced Vengeance. So let's start that damn song. It's the Mustachio Podcast. We're ready for the show. We'll watch moves. We'll make some jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips It's the Mustachio Podcastio So why am I talking about Forced Vengeance out of all the Chuck movies? Well, I happen to own a lot of Chuck Norris VHS movies. I bought a bunch and like a lot, I guess. And this was the one that I just never heard of. I thought the cover looked very much, you know, old school Sega Genesis video game cover design. It's all like kind of drawn and has like a several layers to it. You remember like old video games, not just Sega, but a lot of old video games that use illustrations. There was always layers to it. Like you had your, your main character doing something in the foreground, but then you maybe had like an action scene happening to the left. And then on to his top right, you had like the sun with an angry face. And then to the top left, you had, you know, and mountains and I don't know, but you, there is always like layers of stuff going on. So this, this, um, this movie cover has very much the same. It also comes in this large, I guess Canon was trying to do what Sega was doing back when they had the Sega CD and the Sega Saturn. And I think even PlayStation did these long boxes for a little bit. So that way it would stick out on the shelf. These Canon boxes uh, for the VHS tapes are giant, like <laughs> abnormally giant. And you could tell they're, they're silver. They all kind of have the same design to kind of stick out so i'm not sure if that actually helped canon but um i know at this time they were probably uh scraping a little bit so maybe it was worth it worth all the trouble um i have a feeling that if you haven't seen this movie before that i'm going to make it seem way more exciting than it actually is but it's all good <laughs> we're here to have fun and it's going to take all my effort to have fun with this one but i i think we'll be okay so without further ado, let's get this ridiculously ADR'd slug of a movie going. It's movie breakdown time. Movie breakdown. So the movie opens with quite possibly one of the best opening credit sequences I've seen in a martial arts flick. I know that sounds like way huge of a statement, but I think it's true. And let me tell you, I've seen some some pretty good ones. I haven't seen all martial arts movies. I'm not that hardcore into it, but I have seen some good ones. Um, I really love The Street Fighter with Sonny Chiba, and that, that one comes to mind. I really love that intro. I love how it it's like that power punch, and then boom, like the title comes up. I love that. This one's a little kind of artistic. Um, actually, 
you know, I do have Street Fighter on Laserdisc and I still can't get myself to open it because it's sealed. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm broken. So anyway, so we have this silhouette of Chuck Norris and some other dude on a staircase with what looks like two female mannequins just straight chilling at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> they're not moving at all. So I couldn't tell if they were human or not at first. And then behind them are these glowing red and blue neon lights, kind of like E-Honda stage in Street Fighter 2 when you win. This sort of overstays its welcome a bit, but it's still fun to look at as the credits pop up in some like, hey, there's uh, karate stuff in this movie font. You, know, you gotta love that kind of font. Um, then we get to the start of the actual movie. We hear a very recognizable voice. Yes, it's a voice that would come from a personified old shovel. It's Chuck Norris, of course. And I hope you like his voice because you won't just be hearing it from his own mouth. You'll also be hearing it from his subconscious throughout the whole damn movie. Because Chuck Norris doesn't need friends to talk to. He has Chuck Norris. So he's often speaking to himself with um, this internal monologue throughout the entire movie. And, you know, it makes for a, a different watch. You know, it, <laughs> it, it, it's weird because I wonder if he actually bores himself. Anyway, so he's driving along, driving along in this giant early 80s two-ton sedan in good old L L.A. And at first I was nervous, like, oh my god, this is like going to be another movie in L.A. But um, you'll find out soon that he's just there temporarily to do a job. He mentions that he hasn't been in the city in a long while. He arrives at a super rich dude's house sporting a sweet-ass mustache. My god. This mustache is just, this was like when his mustache was in its prime because I don't know how many years it had been, but I know when he started his career, he was shaved and um, the mustache is doing great right now. I don't know. He's probably drinking a lot of milk. I don't know, but he's doing good. In addition to this mustache, he's also wearing a fancy cowboy getup and a really dope cowboy hat. You got to love it. I mean, even the Tejanos in San Antonio would be like jealous, like this dude is just dressed to the nines. Killer sunglasses, of course. This whole scene is to basically establish Norris's dominance. It's the equivalent of fighting the biggest dude in prison on the first day. So it sets the tone. He is here to pick up a gambling debt from another rich white, like in our last episode. <laughs> but this dude is a lot less classy than the last one in Death Wish 4, the crackdown. This uh, rich white wears like Hawaiian vacation garb. He's much more laid back. He's, he calls Norris's boss a half-breed Jew, which is just rude. And Nor Norris gives him this angry face. Well, you know, about as angry a face that Norris can make. He just sort of has his resting face and that's it. But you could somehow tell that it bothered him. He owes, um, so this, this rich white owes um, Norris's boss 114 k Which, you know, sounds like a really, that's a lot. I mean, it's in the 80s. So... That's a good amount of money. Um, vacationing Rich White says, Gambling debts aren't legal obligations in this state or any place else. And a random dude that we didn't even know was even standing there is asked to escort Norris out of the house. But Norris resists and gives some sort of super grip on this dude's clavicle. And to get out of it, the henchman punches Norris in the face, right? So this sends that dope cowboy hat I mentioned and his giant sunglasses right off his face. And once again, because the Norse face doesn't show emotion, they just show his finch clinching like that. His finch, his finch. <laughs> Wasn't that like a really weird post-hardcore band? <laughs> yeah, go listen to Finch. I'm sure you'll like that um, next time you're feeling feelings. Um, <laughs> maybe I should edit that out. I don't know. Who cares? So they just show his fist clinching. Oh, that's what I was doing. I was mixing fist and clinch to finch. Maybe we should start doing that. Anyway, so he, he clinches that fist, much like the author. Uh, author, I can't speak. <laughs> Arthur? Much like that Arthur uh, fist meme. I'm going to go ahead and say this now. I don't say words right. I'm sure you noticed it in the last episode. I just don't, and I apologize. Feel free to remind me because everybody always does. And I do a lot of writing for my living, so it's very sad. Anyway, so Norris knocks the dude out and starts getting his money from, from the rich dude. But the henchman gets up and attacks with a knife. The henchman stumbles and steps on Norris's cowboy hat, and that seals his fate right there. I mean, you just don't do that. 
we actually hear uh, Norris say to himself something like, that was my best hat. And, and that had actually more energy in it, that line I just gave, than what Norris says. But Norris ends up kicking this dude in the face, and the dude lands in a pool. From there, we see Norris flying back to somewhere we don't know yet in a place and he's in a plane and this is kind of su such a weird transition he looks at his reflection in the airplane window because of course you know norris gets window seat and for some reason he starts thinking about his mentor sam pascal i guess it's easier to do that than to have the writers actually introduce his mentor in a proper way <laughs> he's like oh, just norris just look out the window and think of things and they they transition over to like him imagining pascal and he says something about how pascal's wife used to call him number one adopted son uh which is kind of messed up i mean because they already had another son so i'm sure this the 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 actual son was kind of like man well, it's kind of messed up like is he your, he's your number one adopted son i'm sure he never even heard that he was their number one son and he's the only one anyway so they're all eating and drinking wine at a table and this little you know flashback or whatever and it looks like they're having some sort of holiday or some sort then we see pascal doing some random tai chi stuff <laughs> this is all happening in this little memory he's having you see pascal doing some random tai chi stuff and it literally it literally looks like he just learned it five minutes before shooting this scene it's like if you told me to start doing it we get a glimpse of what will be a uh, flashback norris actually in this in this whole thing this little dream uh, little dream segment which is basically just him without his coveted mustache it's a pretty useless scene all in general but you, it's just kind of funny like they're like yeah let's shoot all these like flashback scenes um without his mustache and then i guess we'll film later when it grows i don't know maybe maybe he can take it off and grow it like by the next day i mean everyone always has all these things about chuck norris he has instant grow so we find out here that Norris is landing in Hong Kong. He describes the city as, quote, fast, hard, and dangerous. Hong Kong is like a slap in the face that makes you feel good. A jaded neon jungle that lives by one law. Make money quick. Any way you can. But it's beautiful. So that's the... <laughs> Couldn't have wrote it any better myself. Uh, that's exactly what he says. So... By the way, we're still getting credits here. As we see Norris's long trek back to the casino that he works at, it looks like he was able to repair the cowboy hat, so that's good. Bunch of seams of people gambling, in which is in the brightest damn room to gamble I've ever seen. I, they're definitely not messing around with the lighting. They're like, we will see you. Norris is looking for his manager, David Pascal, which is the son, to drop off the money that he got from the vacation rich white. So David is the son of Sam Pascal, like I said. Sam appears to be a... Um, a Jewish dude from America and his wife is from Hong Kong, which is why that, that vacation rich white dude said all that racist stuff. Even though David really just looks like he's from Hong Kong, but doesn't matter. David doesn't really seem to give a crap about Norris coming back with the money, which is kind of funny. Norris says to himself, head of security can be a tough job. Then notices one of the dealers pocketing something random. Norris uh, actually brings him into David's office and David tells the, the dealer that was uh, skimming. He tells the dealer that he knows that he's skimming and using the money to gamble at some rival cas casino. Then David just tells this dude to drop his trousers. <laughs> I thought this may go into some like torture scenario like the evil that men do style. I don't know if you've ever seen the evil that men do. Just watch like the first 15 minutes. It's funny. But luckily that's not the case. They find a secret pocket in his pants where he's been keeping chips. Just smart little dealer you. Dealer, The dealer asks if he could at least get his last check. David says no and even has him walk in the front door with no pants. He's like you can go get your pants at the front door. So he has to walk all the way through the casino with no pants. It's kind of funny. Dude is in the bow tie. He's got the gold vest on with no pants. Just, yeah, I love it. So Norris isn't too happy with how mean David has been to the dealer. Because, you know, this is to show us that Norris is a tough dude, but he also has compassion. Norris goes to visit his father figure mentor person, Sam. We find out that Sam's wife was has passed away um, recently, I guess. And then we find out that he met Norris because Norris got into a hardcore fight at the casino. So I guess Sam was running the casino and now he's, his son's running it. But I'm sure it's all owned by Sam. Uh, we get a flashback scene of this for some reason. 
it's super quick. It means nothing. Um, I guess because we've only had one fight so far and it's been a while. But either way, there isn't much to this flashback. Sam tells Norris to keep a lookout for his son or some crap. Norris calls him a warrior and Sam just says, hey, I'm Jewish. <laughs> some people really do convert for the joke. Seinfeld, you were right. So now we see uh, Chuck heading through a dock full of people. Sort of seems like a farmer's market on a dock. We see an entire now we see an entire transaction as he gets fish and then gets on a tiny boat to head to his um to his place apparently um and norris gives a there's like a, a little girl on the boat and norris gives her a miss piggy doll um little miss piggy doll to a little girl on the on, is it little miss piggy i don't i haven't thought about miss piggy in so long i think that's like her full her, her uh, full name is little miss piggy i'll probably cut that out the doll was actually for his girlfriend, apparently, which is odd. Um, I mean, you know, hey, you could be a Muppet fan, be an adult, who cares? So Norris arrives at his houseboat, and he's greeted by his girlfriend. They make out as the boat um, that dropped them off leaves. And it's really funny because the little girl's, like, trying to wave by, but they're just making out, like, <laughs> on his houseboat. The little girl's like, hey, um, thanks for the piggy toy. Okay, you're eating her face. So anyway, goodbye forever to that little girl. It's obvious that Chuck's girlfriend uh, wants to have some some loving, but Chuck pretends he's sleepy from the fight. I mean, not from the fight. There haven't been any fights. From the flight. <laughs> he asks her to cover him up with a blanket, and he just sneak attacks her and says, I'm not that sleepy, and they start making out. So like he kind of he tricked her a little bit. He was like, oh, I'm tired, I'm tired. But then when she comes and brings the blanket, he sort of uh, sneaks, sneak attacks her. This is to show that Norris knows how to have fun and stuff. So we are back at the casino and Norris is in his best 007 tuxedo keeping watch. He notices some dudes coming through that look suspicious. This scene feels so cut up too. I feel like it was probably way longer. But apparently they are trying to steal money. Norris neutralizes, neutralizes the situation and he stops the dudes. But a few dudes seem to take off in a getaway car. And now we see Sam after that. All that happens very quickly. And then now we see Sam, David and Norris watching a soccer game. David wants his pops to take part in a meeting with some other head honcho casino dude that is interested in a merger. Hold on, I'm going to have some beer real quick. Just give me a second. So anyway, the whole merger, is that what we were, the merger thing? So I guess the next day I have um, no idea, but they, they go to meet, I think it's the next day. They go to meet this casino head honcho. This dude's name is Raimondi, or Raimondi, Raimondi. Uh, we're just going to say Raimondi, which sounds like a kind of like a restaurant name to me Ooh, excuse me sounds kind of like a maybe beers i get a drink if you're doing a podcast right i should do wine or, or whiskey or something next time so uh what was i saying yeah ramondi yeah sounds like a good restaurant name you know come on down to ramondi's you know <laughs> where you can roll the dice and get your food for free or pay double I'm sorry. So anyway, Ramondi asked Norris if he could, um, if he would consider working for him instead. Norris says no. Raimondi says he's not used to hearing no, <laughs> which has a whole bunch of other considerations when it comes to saying a statement like that. Norris says, well, you want to hear it again? Badass Norris. Great way to response, respond to a guy who's powerful and rich and can you know do dangerous things to you. So this is to show how much Norris doesn't respect greedy people with a lot of money. So Raimondi asks him nicely to step out into the casino so he can speak to Sam and David. Raimondi asks if they would like to join the Osiris family. It sounds so powerful because they are small. Um, you know, Sam's casino is small. They don't pay for protection or anything like that. So they're super vulnerable. Norris is in the casino waiting and is invited to a drink with two of Raimondi's uh, goons. This is just some kind of a stupid pissing contest moment. Goes back to the meeting. Sam doesn't like the idea of a merger. And he definitely doesn't like Raimondi. You can just tell. He's got like that just angry old man face. Um, he says something like, uh, Lucky Dragon is my club. My reputation. I come out here in 40... I came out here in 45... Um, some... I came out... Okay. I came out here in 45 straight from Ohio. I still didn't say that line very well. But... He says that he came way back in the day um, with $7,000 in his pocket and uh, started the casino from nothing. Uh, Raimondi says, um, 
like pretty straight up expand or die it's the law of our business and then sam just eloquently says not my law so this guy is actually really good um i really like the guy that plays sam i don't bother talking about so much of the background so feel free to look him up but he did a great job um probably the best in the movie and um it's a shame uh, as you'll see that we don't get as you don't get a lot of sam you know so we're back in the in the with the boys in the casino and we have Norris, goon number one, who kind of looks like a young Ron Jeremy. And then goon number two, who kind of looks like a young Asian Ron Jeremy. Well, not, re- <laughs> not really. But this actor, um, his name, uh, I'm going to just destroy this, uh, Seiji Sakaguchi. And he's a really big dude, uh, like wrestler level. And I believe he actually did wrestle in the WWF at some point because I looked it up. Because I was like, this guy is freaking huge. Um. And I don't mean in the Ron Jeremy kind of way. This guy's like six foot five behemoth of a man. Uh, he doesn't uh, he doesn't even give many lines. I think most of his lines are actually ADR'd. But he sort of has like he sort of becomes like the Goro of the movie by the end, and you'll figure out who Shang Tsung is. Anyway, a lady flirtatiously comes up to the table, just like very nicely, um, while the boys are playing uh, some kind of card game or something, and she asks them if they can teach her how to play. And Goon Number One just slaps her across the face like quick and rude and then chuck just quickly gives him up gives him a wapata across the face super quick doesn't even hesitate and he's he tells the goon doesn't feel good does it and then goon number one tries to hit him and he knocks the dude out chuck knocks the dude out goon number two then throws his cowboy hat on the floor and nor says to himself why do they always pick on the hat and this moment is uh, kind of ridiculous. Uh, so Raimondi stops the goons um, from progressing and making things worse. And Norris gets his hat and walks up to Raimondi. I guess this is after the meeting, so nobody's happy here. Uh, Sam and David is also with Raimondi. And uh, I think uh, Sam and David, uh, let's see. I think, oh, so Chuck tells Raimondi, nice place you have here, but then says it, says it in his own head, asshole. And at first I didn't realize that. I was like it would have been really funny it was like hey nice place you have here asshole but he actually said nice place you have here and in his head called him an asshole um and it's just very great this is great this is a great movie um (laughs) so you can only tell this by uh the slight reverb that they give chuck when he's like speaking to himself so you gotta really listen in at first i thought he actually had I seriously thought he just really did call him an asshole. So Sam and David are are talking over the merger. David wants to talk to Joy about that. We don't know who the hell Joy is, I don't think. I don't think they brought her up. I, I'm, I don't know. I was paying mostly attention. And uh, David tells his pops that the casino is broke because he has a gambling problem. Great. I mean, it kind of makes sense. And then Sam tells David that he has um, that if he has anything to do with this Raimondi, then he's out of the family business. So Sam's basically telling David, you keep talking to this dude, you're out. So Chuck is speaking. Um, he's speaking. <laughs> uh, and is he's speaking in his head again. And he thinks that David isn't telling him everything. He heads to Sam's house to see how he's doing. And he gets shot. He gets shot at. And then he sees Sam shot in the face on the floor. That's what I was saying. Like, we don't get to get Sam too long. This mentor and father figure, he's dead on the freaking floor, man. Shot in the dang head. And Norris's reaction is as if it was a bottle of Drano that spilled under the sink. He just says, Sam. Oh, Sam. He pauses for two seconds and says, Joy. So he's looking for Joy now this person that we don't know or have been introduced yet in the movie i don't think unless i blacked out at some point norris finds joy at a party she's a kind of young 20s college level party person she's hanging out with actually what looks like a chuck norris 2.0 like he's buffer he's kind of europeanish and he's in uh tiny little red shorts chuck scares this dude away by talking about activities activities he doesn't do um <laughs> it's like it's like instead of chuck being like an asshole he just starts saying, well, I don't like doing this and I don't like doing that and I don't like doing this. And he squeezes the guy's hand and the guy gets intimidated. So he lets Joy know that her father was killed and let, lets her know that they have they have to get out of there. He's, um, he's actually in a Mercedes limo, which is kind of dope. And he's walking with Joy, but has her by the arm like she's a hostage. I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's willing, willingly going with you. He takes her back to his boat home. 
we get some exposition here. Chuck says something like, uh, listen, Joy, whoever killed Sam and Dave. That's the way Chuck talks. Listen, Joy, whoever killed Sam and Dave. Um, he says that they're looking for her, too. And it's got something to do with Lucky Dragon. And now that she's the sole owner, uh, I can't speak. Now that she's the sole owner, um, you know, she's in danger. So she says a smart thing uh, that everyone would say in the situation is should she go to the police but norris doesn't want her to do any of that until they're safe which i think she's actually pretty safe so i don't know what the point of that was i guess for movie and so he says david was killed as well and i don't even remember seeing david dead in the house he never even like went up to david's body so i don't know if i missed it maybe it was like in the background when he was looking at sam i don't know y'all tell me and well, so yeah, so David and Sam are dead now. So no more David, no more Sam. We just got this new character, Joy, and uh, we'll see how this goes. A little more beer for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I... All right. Don't ask me what that was. He arrives at his boathouse with Joy and his girlfriend, Claire, is there. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned her name was Claire before, but her name's Claire. Hmm. <laughs> I just sound so unimpressed. Um, her name's Claire. Mm. It's around this point that Norris is intercepted by a couple of inspectors. They say that he was seen leaving the premises of Sam's just after the murder, so they go ahead and arrest him right away. We are now in a nicely everything's nicely lit, I guess, in uh, Hong Kong, and the 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 interrogation room is nicely lit. Like I could sit in there and read a book. It's supposed to be like this intimidating place. And Norris keeps saying that he wants a lawyer. Uh, from there, they take Norris's shirt off <laughs> and start describing wounds and tattoos on his body. Um, I guess this is again to show that Chuck is, you know, he's been places, he's done dangerous things. What seems to be a Hong Kong doctor with an Australian accent <laughs> is the one doing the inspection. It's so weird. Like the the accent is just very apparent. Um, the inspectors. Um, give him a phone call so he calls a guy named mike to bail him out this part is funny to me because he's walking with mike out of the out of the police uh, precinct to get to a car and then it, the camera angles kind of from the top of the precinct facing down so you see him walking out and then the camera just starts to um, it's not really following them necessarily. It just it just starts to kind of go toward uh, trans, you know transition over to the right side of the building, but on the on the roof. And then all of a sudden, you see that there's this assassin who is planning on assassinating Chuck. But as soon as <laughs> as soon as Norris is in his sights, a, a van just randomly or some kind of truck randomly gets right in front of them, and it's just so funny to me because all you see. <laughs> This guy's probably been there for like four hours, just waiting for the right moment. And of course, this truck just gets right in front of Norris, and you just hear, you just hear this ADR. Damn it! <laughs> oh man, that would be such a horrible assassin. I just don't have the attention span for that kind of stuff. So <laughs> it just sucks. It's a really good part. So anyway what is the next thing that happens so then this is when we meet leroy nicely played by bob minor and it looks like leroy is a former comrade of chuck's um uh and actually i really like robert lee minor in this in this movie he uh he knows his stuff um he's actually a stunt performer television and film actor he actually doubled um, for a lot of celebrities such as um, Jim Brown and Fred Williamson, Bernie Mac, Danny Glover, like this guy, he's pretty awesome. He's he's. I wish he honestly had been given a few more opportunities, a few more lines in this movie. But um, the lines that he does have, there are some very suggestive ones. Uh, for instance, this scene that's coming up. So we find out that um, Chuck has a price on his head. Um, that's what Leroy lets him know. One thousand to kill him. He goes to Leroy to get some guns and ammo and all that good stuff. Leroy has all that stuff. Um, Leroy's in like this army green muscle shirt. He's looking badass. And Chuck is in a good old flannel. <laughs> you gotta love it. He's so awesome. So um, this part is sort of cringy though. When Chuck asks if he can stay at Leroy's place, Leroy says, as long as you don't mind sharing. And 
Chuck says, how old is she? I don't even know. If one of my friends said, as long as you don't mind sharing, I would have been like, what, meatloaf? Like, I would not have thought of a woman. Um, I don't know. But Chuck just says, how old is she? Leroy kind of pauses for a second with hesitance and says, 17. And Chuck asks again, uh, asks the same question again. And he says, yeah, she's 17. And I'm already thinking that Chuck's going to say something like, bro, that's messed up. But instead, he's like, you old fart, how do you keep? How do you keep up the pace? Leroy says, practice, practice, practice. So that automatically made me... <laughs> I was so cringy because then you're like, wait, is this not the first 17-year-old he's been with? Because he's like, practice, practice, practice. Anyway, let's just delete that scene from our brains. Uh, Nora sneaks up on one of the uh, detectives that arrested him earlier after this scene. And he puts him in a sleeper hold and throws him in his own his own cop car, which is kind of funny because see, he has this co- he has this uh, inspector in his um in, <laughs> in the sleeper hold, and uh, all all that Chuck says to all the bystanders that are kind of looking at him, he's like very sick. He's very sick, very sick. <laughs> he has this certain sickness that in order to cure, you need to just choke hold his ass. So he throws that dude back in his cop car. He heads back to the boathouse with Clara and tells her to wake up, to wake up Joy so that they can head out. Chuck asks himself, where can a guy hide from Hong Kong with two beautiful women and disappear? And then Chuck says, oh, of course, a cat house. (laughs) Oh, my God. So this is when I notice he's driving one of those Datsun 280Zs, by the way. Freaking love those cars. I will buy one one day. And then, um, you know, we should just bring that car back so that way I don't have to buy an old one. Anyway, so they arrive at uh, this cat house, and it looks like a spy may have spotted them. So he goes to make a call. So I'm pretty sure there might be an actual fighting scene soon. So you hear people, um, you know, making some loving in the cat house. I think it turns out it's like $300 for a room, which is, whoa. They arrive in a in a mint green little hotel room. I guess the dude that uh, spotted them was pretty quick on the call because all of a sudden, I mean, they're in there for like a few minutes, and then he, I guess he let Raymond he let he let them know that they're there, and so uh, he actually calls. I think Raymond calls the phone that's inside the room, and um, he talks to Norris, and he says something like. Um, I forget. I think he's like, he wants to talk to Joy. Uh, Yeah, Raimondi lets him know that if he gives up Joy, then he will allow him to run the new club. And if not, he'll kill him. So Chuck cusses more than ever by telling Raimondi to shove it. (laughs) You shove it, mister! And he gives Claire a gun and asks her to be ready, which sounds like a great idea. Dude comes in with an Uzi and uh, into into the hotel and Chuck beats his ass real quick. Boom, done. He knocks on the door. <laughs> he knocks on the door to his own room because Claire and, and Joy are still in that room. And Joy, not Joy, Claire shoots the door <laughs> and almost gets Chuck. Chuck says in his head, oh, Chuck, this is what he says in his head. Never let your girl handle your peace. Oh, my gosh. So apparently Chuck only likes to play for himself, according to that line. Whatever, though, we, have, we all have our preferences. Uh, so they are trying to, to run away and get over to Leroy's place. We find out that Chuck uses a cowboy hat not only to look nice, he also uses it to hide his gun when he's walking around. Genius. So this random dude with a n- nunchucks comes through, whatever. Instead of shooting him, Norse uh, just shoots something above him and it falls on the dude. Very like cheesy <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles way of taking somebody out. Uh, they continue onward. Random fight breaks out of uh, where uh, people are kind of like hanging out and eating and stuff. And Chuck ends up in a fight. It kind of like gets, it kind of all turns into a fight. And I don't think it was, it almost feels like it wasn't meant to happen in the movie. Like <laughs> they have like a stunt guy that, that goes at Chuck, but then like he runs into somebody and it really genuinely looked like all of a sudden people are like, hey, what the hell's going on here? And then like a real fight broke out. Um, but nothing too exciting, though. Uh, they are running away, and Chuck gets attacked by a dude that looks like Popeye the Sailor Man. This might be the best fight scene. It's not really even a fight. It's more like a gunfight, but this dude looks just like Popeye. Chuck says, I'll take that knife and raise you a bullet, and just shoots the dude down because Popeye was, you know, sporting a freaking blade. Chuck jumps on a double-decker boat that the girls are on, and they head out. And now it's nighttime in Hong Kong. Running and stuff happens. 
This is uh, when we arrived back at the start of the movie where we had that opening sequence. So I was kind of bummed about this. I, I kind of like the idea of just keeping that part a mystery. But they actually do show this part again. And it's the exact same part. It turns out those were not mannequins. That was Joe and Claire. <laughs> so like the entire, th- it's like the entire thing, but in a slightly faster speed. It kind of just loses its impact to me. Then we are running once again in the city and they jump in a taxi. The whole part was basically a watered down, like shitty version of John Wick trying to get back to his, to that place where he can't get killed by assassins or whatever. It's kind of the way this whole sequence feels. So they arrive at Leroy's and we see that 17 year old. Uh, we see that 17 year old that he's with. <laughs> which is gross luckily she looks like she's like closer to 25 in real life so that's good that's that's her age in my mind he leaves claire and joy at leroy's uh to go and um i don't know find out some more stuff about raymondi i guess he stops at what i uh looks like is one of raymondi's business associates office he looks like a this guy looks like a full-size version of zelda rubenstein uh sporting the kfc colonel suit just so, so you can visualize this guy. Chuck interrogates the guy and asks him what Raimondi wants um, with the Lucky Dragon. This dude's name is Carl, apparently. He says to try one of Raimondi's top ladies. Her name is, um, I don't know I said it like that, Sally Tennant. So apparently she's uh, like his star hooker. And Carl says all he does is, um, all Carl does is repossess girls. So, you know, good for Carl. Not sure what the hell that means, but anyway, Norris leaves, but Carl starts dialing as soon as Norris leaves, and it's obvious he's dialing Raimondi, and Norris comes, sneaks back in like super ninja style and just kind of cocks his gun back to remind Carl that, hey, this conversation is just between you and me. I still don't know what would stop Carl from still calling once he knows he's gone, but whatever. Uh, so about one hour in, we get our first uh, full frontal nudity. Um, <laughs> if anyone was keeping track... <laughs> I know the people that listen to this show. So this movie requires patience for uh, sex dudes, you know. Really knockoff uh, version of Super Freak is playing at this strip club, by the way. Um, that's where we're at. That's why there's, full, you know, full frontal nudity. Um, and uh, this is, I guess, where he meets Raimondi's number one girl, Sally. And apparently she pays Raimondi for protection. And we find out here that she used to go out with David as well. Um, remember David? He's uh, that dead guy from earlier. He asks Sally for a name once she sees his gun. Uh, An outfit called, um, she says that it's an outfit called Osiris who keeps her in business. Okay. A guy named Ron Diab. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) A guy named Ron DiBiase. There you go. Ron DiBiase, who was working with Sam's Peeps, is apparently a turncoat working for Osiris. Dun, dun, dun. Are you bored yet? So Norris (laughs) goes. Norris goes to Ron to find out who the who the head of Osiris is. He tells him to try speaking to some dude who I don't remember his name. So this is where things get so needlessly convoluted. But let's just keep trucking. We'll get through this, everybody. Norris tells Ron to get on the earliest plane out of Hong Kong, basically. This is the guy who's a turncoat. Vehicle arrives at Leroy's house and Asian Hulk. Um, that's what I'm calling <laughs> That's what I'm calling that WWF wrestler that's in this movie. And uh, so Agent Hulk and the two goons pop in. Fight breaks out. Leroy tries to battle Agent Hulk. Sporting, and by the way, this dude, the Agent Hulk, is sporting one of the best wigs of all time for a a character in a movie. Um, And it's actually, you know, um, not a lot. I really wanted a better fight. Um, I felt like Leroy could, you know, take him. Like, he's also, you know, a pretty strong guy. But instead of a dope choreographed fight, we just have the giant dude um, bear hug Leroy and inca- incapacitate him. That's it. He just bear hugs him. There's, I mean, there's a little here and there, but it's really not much. Then we have a needless rape scene as the Agent Hulk beats up Claire. And Leroy um, has to look on, but can't do anything about it since he's, his insides are broken now. It's actually kind of hard to watch that scene. Um and it's, it's hard to watch because of, of course, the the crappy rape scene, but it's also, I feel bad for Leroy. I'm like, oh man, that sucks. You're like broken and you have to see that shit. So Norris heads to this dude's house that Ron had told him to go to. He has a dude in his... <laughs> this scene you have to see. I don't think I can make it make sense. And then even when you see it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But anyway, Norris heads to this dude's house that Ron had told him about. And I'll, I'll try to get you the scene here. So he sneaks up into this guy's bedroom. 
Uh, I think they're both asleep. Um, it's two gentlemen in the bed and he has, um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so I guess Norris knows which one he needs to talk to. It's like a, it's, it's a white guy and an Asian guy. Norris grabs the, the Asian guy. He's a tiny, tiny guy. He grabs the Asian guy, wraps him up in some blankets and he's just like holding them in the blankets. Like, I don't even know how he did it so fast. He just wraps his guy in blankets and he's just holding it like the way you would hold a damn rabbit. And, um, of course, Norris has to comment on the scene by saying, bravest man I ever knew was a homosexual. <laughs> what the hell was that supposed to mean? Oh, God. Um, go, Chuck, go. So, Chuck Chuck is still holding this guy in the blankets. And he starts questioning this dude, who I think is a British guy. And while he's questioning the dude to kind of get him to realize how serious this is, Chuck is also squeezing butane all over the the dude in the sheets and the guy's like yelling trying to get out but he can't and uh so he's kind of making it look like he's gonna light the dude on fire so the dude gives him a, a bit of info uh the white guy gives him a bit of info that um i couldn't really make out but who cares he tells the dude to call someone who has more answers and <laughs> so then we get um we get kind of a guy that looks like egon from ghostbusters <laughs> coming in to the room i guess this is the guy that they called and he's coming in all calm and collected you know and he's like hey what's up what's going on here and then uh, <laughs> and norris just hits him in the clavicle man norris just destroying clavicles this whole movie and he's trying to find out why raymondi killed the pascals right this is the whole point of all this freaking mess apparently they were planning on developing a casino in las vegas but the pascals were in the way why i don't know he asks who runs he asks um egon guy um who runs osiris and it turns out it's uh simon cool or simon cole k-o-o call cool i'm gonna go with cool simon cool and he runs osiris um so wait who simon cool <laughs> i kind of wish chuck had said that right after he said simon cool Anyway, um, Raimondi's father apparently uh, is Simon Koo. And uh, Chuck calls a guy, um, <laughs> Chuck calls a guy Sweet Cheeks, which is hilarious. And then we get back to Leroy's house where Agent Hulk tells Leroy that he hopes he uh, lives long enough to tell Chuck what he did to his girl, which is very messed up. That guy is officially the Goro of the movie. And, in, and what I was trying to say was Simon Koo is like Shang Tsung. And you will see why. So Chuck walks into Leroy's place and and sees him dying uh chuck just keeps rubbing him on his back as leroy is telling him he couldn't stop japanese he's like i couldn't stop japanese it's like he's saying code uh claire is just laid out um naked and dead unfortunately uh looks rough chuck sees her and appears to be super bummed about it <laughs> couldn't really tell but you know you get you can kind of tell his mustache looks sad so chuck decides to get into his uh, fancy military uniform and looks stoic af remember uh goon number one the ron jeremy goon well he sees norris in his uniform because norris uh i guess goes out to one of the casinos and i'm not sure if i had mentioned that so after all that scene he goes to one of the casinos and he's pissed now so he goes um to check out the situation um the ron jeremy guy he follows Chuck into the bathroom and they start fighting. This is actually a decent fight. Chuck takes his gun and throws, he takes the um, goon number one's gun, throws it in the trash so they can have like a real fist, fist fight. Um, I'd hate to get into a fight in the bathroom. Man, that is like one place. No, thank you. That's the floor alone. Um, Chuck finishes him off pretty easily, questions another dude at the casino and finds out that Raimondi uh, is actually on his yacht on uh, Pelican Bay. So Norris takes off his uniform, does a flank. <laughs> Sorry, I visualized the moment before I could make it come out of my mouth. Um, from that casino scene where he was interrogating that guy, he goes out to Pelican Pelican Beach, right? And um, it looks like a meeting of a bunch of goons. You know, they're in like nice cars and they're just meeting out there. And it's very weird because you're thinking in your head like how is he going to come into this scene because they're kind of in the middle uh there's like a lot of land around him so it's like how are they going to sneak up on these dudes next thing you know chuck norris just jumps off a little one-story building that's right happens to be right near where the guys are hanging out and just does a flying kick and knocks this dude out and just starts beating up guys and shooting guys it's like a whole thing but it's actually a pretty fun 
<laughs> at least that very beginning when he comes through is super super fun um and he, he, i guess he took off his uniform just so he had some like more freedom you know and like he's not restrained um and a dude is actually it actually he almost ends up getting beat because a dude is about to shoot norris when all of a sudden he gets shot in the back and uh you remember that other inspector that he didn't choke out <laughs> no me either <laughs> anyway his name is inspector chin we found we find out incredibly last minute um that chen is the head of an international task force against crime in hong kong gotta love that they arrested the other inspector whose name was inspector keck i had to look that up and he told them that he was he was actually working for raymondi so that guy was crooked as hell not sure how they learned he was on raymondi's payroll but whatever dr chen says let's wait until um his men get there and then they'll go and, and get raymondi on that yacht chuck says he has joy and he's going to go get her so he can come with him or not inspector chen doesn't want him to go along um i mean doesn't want him to go alone and so he he goes ahead and goes with him to the yacht it was dark during that whole scene like that fighting scene where he jumps off the building and dr chen saves him dark as hell like it feels like midnight to one o'clock in the morning but then when they arrive at the yacht, it is like bright as hell. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if like, I don't know if the yacht was far away or maybe, you know, Chuck had had a long day. Let's face it. Maybe he just decided to take a nap, but who knows? It's just weird that they would wait a whole night and wouldn't have Chen's guys been there by then. Anyway, so they're at Raimondi's yacht and he's, he's showing joy, um, so we have Raimondi and we have Joy inside the yacht and he's talking with her trying to be like cool mob boss guy. I'm like burping throughout this entire podcast. Drinking beer is a bad idea for a podcast. Um, I'll try to edit them out. Maybe I'll leave one in just because I'm an asshole. So anyway, so it's Raimondi and Joy and they're in, they're in, the, um, in the yacht and he's showing Joy the bill of sale for the Lucky Dragon. He said it would be simpler if she just signed it. She says now she knows why they call Raimondi the bastard. That really gets Raimondi's blood boiling because apparently he's a bastard uh, child. And Norris is on the boat just doing his um, thing, kind of knocking out a bunch of dudes secretly and quietly. And um, and all those guys do a very bad job at protecting the yacht. Uh, like in most of his movies, you know. Uh, Raimondi starts trying to rape Joy, of course, because that is just what that character always does in all these movies. Um, Inspector Chen comes out of a random door, <laughs> just randomly. Uh, he comes out of a door, and they end up shooting one of the goons that comes out of nowhere around the corner. Um, the writers must have just ran out of ideas because once Raimondi hears that, hears that um, the gunfire, Raimondi just um, says random. Because oh, so Chuck Norris, I gotta stop doing that because I just call the the name of the protagonist that uh, basically the the stashed actor that we're honoring i just say their real name in the movie his name is randall i don't even josh randall i guess so <laughs> i think in the first episode i never mentioned Kersey. i just kept saying bronson anyway y'all know what i'm talking about who cares so anyway but for this point in the scene it makes sense for me to, to let y'all know that his name is josh randall because raymondi hears the gunshots and he just says randall 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 <laughs> the writers just are like fuck it just say randall three times and let's get this shit over with so anyway so uh chin actually ends up taking a bullet wound in the shoulder uh when that when that bad came out of the you know out, out of nowhere norris heads up toward the front deck of the boat with his gun out then some sort of like <laughs> hook stick i i don't i'm not big into boating or anything but some kind of like little hook stick comes out of nowhere and it hits the gun out of um out of his hand and i'm just gonna call it a hook stick and uh raimaldi is uh is actually the guy that did it and he's ready to fight he's got the little hook stick he looks super serious raimaldi hooks norris for a little bit in the neck um but he gets away and he knocks actually ends up knocking the hook off the stick so now he's just got a donatello stick our staff uh, yeah, staff. There you go. That's a better word for it. It sounds more like uh, an adult thing instead of like a little stick. So um, I don't even know what I meant by adult thing. <laughs> it's 
wrong with me. So Norris climbs up to the top deck and and it's super slow too. Like he's coming up to the top deck and Raimaldi actually goes up some stairs and he's there really quick. I don't know if he, if the actor in the moment was like, whoa, I got to be a little too fast. <laughs> and uh, they're just like right there nearby. So he just sort of waits and watches as Norris, uh, you know, little by little comes up onto the deck. I don't even know why he wouldn't just start hitting Norris before he got up to the top, but whatever. So anyway, um, Donatello stuff is happening and he's just like whooping, you know, Chuck's ass. Chuck breaks the stick in half and now he has some of the stick too. I keep saying stick, staff, whatever. He breaks the staff in half, breaks the staff in half. And um, it's now it's staff against staff. You know what I mean? So uh, Raimaldi just uh, climbs to the top of the boat, like the very tippity top of the boat, like the part of the boat that you would be on, like when it's almost all fully sunk. He's like way up there. And he's trying to get away. Um, he's like freaking out because I, you know, Chuck got pissed at this moment. He's just starting whooping his ass with that piece of staff that he had. And in his like freaking outness, Raimondi actually gets all tied up in all these different lines and like little, I don't know, like those lines that have like those little ha- those little pennants that are hanging. <laughs> I don't know what any of that's called, but he gets like all wrapped up in that, and uh, he falls de- off the boat. But it all wraps up in him and it, he just gets hung. He hangs himself and he's just bare, like his toes are just about hitting the water, but it's not enough. Because um, I would think if like half your body had hit the water and he was hung in the throat, like maybe he would float a little. I don't know. Um, but he hangs himself. It's very uneventful, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, because, hey, we can't have Chuck Norris killing the bad guy, I guess. So he has to accidentally kill himself. Um, the movie isn't over yet, by the way. Dear God. So Norris walks off the shore uh, to some place. It's weird. Like, he doesn't... This would have been a good time to have an inner monologue. He would have been like, you know, um, Shang Tsung lives in the mountain of blah. I shall go there. Something simple like that. But anyway, he uh, comes up to the shore and sneaks up on a dude with a rifle, punches him in the face, throws a knife at another dude. It's actually a pretty cool sequence then we watch norris go up like 1000 steps like holy shit it was so many steps he starts um finding some other dudes that are wearing black wigs very convincing we see this old man watching cartoons after he beats up those dudes in the black wigs it's just like a little old man watching cartoons it's very funny and this happens to be the great simon cool it's like <laughs> this scene is like in the matrix when you meet the architect he's just like uh, I guess I'm sure the architect was saying very intelligent things, but you know, I saw that pretty young, like a teenager. And it, to me, it was just mindless gibberish. And that's what Simon Koo is doing. He invites Norris to join the business. Cause this is the guy of Osiris. You know, he tells Simon that his son uh, made him an offer before he died. And, uh, uh, what is he? He says something like, basically like he tells Simon, like your, your son made me an offer before he died. And I also said no to his ass which is pretty messed up then all of a sudden um asian hulk comes through i forgot about asian hulk like he comes through angry and um more hulky than ever and he tells norris uh his girl was very good and norris gets pissed off they start having a full-blown battle inside um shang Tsung's home um and of course it's all made of balsa wood everything's just being destroyed uh norris um uh, Norris and the Hulk, uh, he actually throws, throws a, uh, does he throw, no, the Hulk throws a toilet, like he literally, so he's starting to, he's starting to, Norris is dunking the Hulk's um, face in a toilet, right, and then he does like full, like, one flew over the cuckoo's nest style, just freaking picks up the toilet and he tries to throw it at Norris and it's really funny because it's like six feet away from from Shang Tsung but he puts his arms up like as if it's like super close to hitting him but you know he's old he doesn't know any better so then Norris gives a huge flying kick to Asian Hulk and the balsa wood decor with glass and everything uh comes down on him there's like this like little glass decorative thing that breaks when he falls through and what was left just ends up falling down and it cuts his throat it was a good time. This is actually probably the best fight, but it's not really so good that it's worth going all the way to get here. Uh, but anyway, so we it would have been nice to see him die a little more hardcore, but whatever. So then um, 
Dr. Chen says it's a gang war and that Simon Koo will be placed in an insane asylum. So no, I guess it makes sense why he was just speaking gibberish. Because um, apparently the death of his son was too much for him. And um, I don't know. I didn't really bother to think about that too much. But okay, it just feels like they're really wrapping this up. Uh, Chen heads out and uh, Joy tells Norris that she'd like to get the Lucky Dragon going again. Great idea! <laughs> You know, you know this line of business that's brought curses to your family and has killed them all? Yeah, go ahead and keep it going. Why not? So uh, Chuck says, uh, you're a Pascal, aren't you? And uh, freeze frames to his frozen popsicle face. The movie leaves us one more internal monologue from Chuck. And uh, um, maybe I should make this the quick impression, but I won't. Um, so... <laughs> It leaves us with one more internal monologue of Chuck. And I'll go ahead and try to give it as Chuck-like as I can. <clears throat> Hong Kong. A borrowed place that lives a borrowed time. The British run it now, but in 17 years, the lease runs out and the People's Republic is the landlord. But this is a city of survivors, and no matter what happens, Hong Kong will always be the place. I still think that had too much energy in it. Anyway, so the movie ends with montages of Norris doing kicks and punches and comic book stuff. And then there's a horrible soundtrack that ends it. Honestly, I think a better soundtrack would have saved this movie. But anyway, the end. You know, I have a lot of impressions about this whole movie. And there's there's not as many characters as there was in the last episode um, that really entertained me. But there was one, and, and that would be Raimondi. You know, he was kind of a... He was actually pretty decent in the movie. I liked it. So I'm going to give you a quick impression of him. Quick impressions. Randall. 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 <laughs> I don't know if that was good at all. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> oh god. This is almost over. So is this worth worth the watch? Um this movie is is 90 minutes, but it feels like it's 120 minutes to tell you the truth. Not a whole bunch happens and, and it hurts. Um, other than a few fun sequences, the majority of the fight scenes remind me of when my friends would choreograph Mortal Kombat fights in fifth grade. Um, the movie revolves around a rivalry between casino owners, and I just don't really give a crap about people that own casinos. I just don't. I mean whatever I, I get you know i'm not saying gambling is not great you know it's fun and all but i just don't really care and uh chuck is just this dude that happens to work for them and who is way too loyal to to a dude that he met like i don't know five years prior um they've tried to make it seem very miyagi like sam is this miyagi of his and taught him fighting styles and shit like that but it just doesn't feel that way. And Sam's not in the movie long enough. I wish they had just killed David and then Sam was alongside Norris um, throughout the movie. I just think it would have been a better kind of buddy cop type thing. Um, and I get that he was, you know, brought into this family like, you know, like a number one adopted son, like they said. But I just don't think it's, I just wouldn't, I don't, it doesn't make sense that he'd be willing to sacrifice like a whole bunch to find out what happened to these business owners who own a business that he just works for that died. Um, I just, I don't know, whatever. I didn't care for a bunch, a lot of the characters actually. Um, it made it easy to not care for the movie itself, unfortunately, because I didn't care about the characters. Uh, the acting is incredibly dry um, from everyone except Sam and May, a little Romaldi as well. He has a couple lines. Um... Uh, but yeah, Sam brings it, and he's he's gone, unfortunately, halfway through, so it kind of sucks. Um, I'm going to rate this movie by mustache. Um, if y'all heard the last episode, I rate the movies from uh, the mustaches that I really, really like and the mustaches I can't stand. Full recommendation, Fu Manchu. Worth a watch, Walrus Dash. Eh, horish. Horish. <laughs> That horish stash. Have you ever seen that kind of stash? Oh man, it's messy. No, I mean a horseshoe stash. I want to forget it is a toothbrush stash, or as we all know, the Hitler stash.
I give Forced Vengeance a solid horseshoe stash. It's a great hangover movie, so maybe give it a watch when you're like doing nothing else, or maybe you're cleaning around the house, and every now and then you might run into a scene where you just stop cleaning and watch it for a second, and then get back to cleaning. Um, maybe you just poisoned your brain too much with alcohol the night before, and you just need something to watch. Uh, all right, so movie over. <laughs> I ain't about all them transitions and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at Mustachioed Podcastio and on Twitter at mpodcastio. You'll find some random posts from me trying to be clever or funny or both um, updates on the next episode. I like to try to let everyone know a few days in advance uh, what a movie I'm, uh, what movie I'm going to be covering. I personally like to watch the movies before um, they're covered, so that's just my thing. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I have got to go. Later.